Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Right now, though, Tony Dungy. That's football night in America analyst, obviously former Colts head coach. Coverage of Chiefs and Chargers begins this Sunday night, football night in America. 7 o'clock on NBC and Peacock, and the coach joins us right now. Tony, always good to hear your voice, especially in this market. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be with you, and all of a sudden things are getting interesting with the NFL. <laughs> Buffalo loses, Philadelphia loses, Colts win. <laughs> it's fun. Let me tell you something, Coach. I, You know, I was thinking to myself, well, we do this show from 7 to 10. We probably could just say to Tony Dungy at 7.02, hey, what's going on with the Colts, and then come back and pick things up at 10, right? I mean, it's yeah. been a loaded week for us. Crazy. I, I've not experienced anything like this Um it's just uh, hard to to perceive, but I tell you, the team responded very, very well last week, and hopefully, we can keep it going again this week. Coach, when you look at you know, you were obviously part of this organization and saw it from the inside. And I was just telling Kevin, to me, it's it's fascinating because with you and and Bill Polian, two men who had already very solidified resumes before you arrived in Indianapolis. And since then, Jim Irsay has often had people in those roles that it was their first opportunity here in Indianapolis. Does that change the dynamic between owner and those working underneath them and the level of, I guess, power that they could have to not have to fall underneath what the owner wants or says? I don't think so. I think it all depends on, on personality. And I tell you, when I was there, Jim was great to work with and work for. Uh, we had conversations regularly. Uh, he shared his input. We shared ideas, Bill and Jim and I, and, and we moved forward. Uh, I'm assuming it, it's that way, and I'm assuming that uh, Jeff has done the same thing, uh, just just the way I did when, when I first got there. So it, it's hard to say. It, Jim has an idea of what he wants to do, though. And, and I, I can tell you, um, he when he gets those ideas, he, he's got a very strong opinion about it. He thought Jeff was the best man for the job at this point in time, and he pulled the trigger and made that decision. In 2002, which was 20 years ago, he called me the same way. He said, you're the guy I want. I'm not talking to anybody else. Uh, you're the guy I want. I want to put something together like the Steelers had. I want to be part of the community. We've got to get things going. We've got to, the things that you bring. That's what I want. And he he had a very strong opinion about that, and, and that's just the way he is. It's Tony Dungy. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I want to go back to a week ago Monday, Tony, if you don't mind, and um, just your initial reaction when you heard the Frank Reich news and then a few hours later when you heard the Jeff Saturday news. Well, I was shocked about the, the Frank news because I just felt like the team was still in it. Uh, this has been a crazy year in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, you look at a team like Green Bay was on a, on a four-game losing streak. And so 
things like that were going on. The Colts are right in the middle of the race, and I'm thinking, just Frank will get this going. But once they made a decision, and I don't know why that decision was made to change, uh, once they made the decision, then you start thinking, okay, well, who is going to take over? Who is Jim going to get? Uh, you look at people on the staff, and that, that could work. But Jeff, the more I thought about it, it was really kind of logical. He had been with the organization for a long time. He'd been with Frank in training camp. He knew the offense. Uh, he knew the terminology. There's very few people you could get from the outside that would have that. And he had this relationship with Jim. Uh, he's a guy who was a leader. He could galvanize the locker room. And the offensive line was the one unit that was underperforming. So who better than Jeff Saturday to maybe read energize that offensive line so at first you say this is this is weird this is crazy but then the more you really thought about it it made sense tony dungy is our guest of course football night in america he is the analyst there on nbc tony to me the thing that i i just can't get out of my head is in terms of the coaching change in jeff saturday i agree with what you said that there are areas there where that makes sense and i like most who doesn't love jeff saturday right he's a very likable and believing in guy but i keep going back to tony and i want your thought on it i don't know why they went to sam ellinger when they did and i felt like that put them in a serious hole in the season that now they are having to make up for because they're behind the eight ball based on a peculiar decision to me that really didn't have much sense other than the owner wanted to see what a young guy could do. Your thoughts? I What I didn't understand, I could see turning to Sam Ellinger. What I didn't understand was when they said uh, Matt Ryan is going to not play the rest of the year, that Sam is going to be the quarterback the rest of the year. That struck me as odd because I said, we, we haven't seen Sam take a snap in the NFL in a real game. How do we know how he's going to do? How can you say he's going to go forward for the rest of the year? And I think that's one of the things that Jeff brought to the table. I don't know who made the decision to put Matt back in, how that came down, but that was the thing that, that sparked them and energized them uh, on Sunday. You could see that. They, they were much more efficient, uh, different way of doing things, too. Matt had been sacked a lot uh, previously. Now you go into Las Vegas, and it's running the football, play action passes, quick rhythm, taking some stress off the offensive line, only one sack in the entire game against a team that has good pass rushers. So uh, a couple of things changed. They're putting Matt back in and a little bit different rhythm on offense, and uh, it was effective. Tony with uh, and Tony Dungy's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, you know, Jeff walks in the building, and you know immediately he becomes more of a CEO as a head coach. You know Gus Bradley obviously running the defense still, and then Parks Frazier, the new play caller. That was the route that you chose as a head coach, and I'm curious why you decided that, and, and what makes you think like that is kind of the successful route to go uh, as an NFL head coach. Well, there are a lot of ways to do it, and you see the guys like the Sean McBays that run the offense, and Mike Holmgren, you know, kind of started that. Bill Walsh started that, and that's a way to do it. Um, other guys on defense, Brandon Staley has done a great job with the Chargers, and he runs the defense and calls the defense. Um, but for me, I played for Chuck Knoll, and he delegated. And I saw that, and I saw how he did it. That's how I grew up. I went and played one year for Bill Walsh, and Bill Walsh was very successful, Hall of Fame coach. 
But I felt like as a defensive player, I felt like we were the step kids. And the, the head coach was really the offensive coordinator. Everything he did was involved the offense, and he'd stick his head in the defensive meetings occasionally. Um, so for me, I just wanted the team to know that I had my pulse, uh, my finger on the pulse of everything. I was there for everybody. Not to say my way is better. That's just the way I chose to do it. I saw Denny Green do it that way. He was very successful. Uh, Chuck Noll, Marty Schottenheimer, the guys I worked for. Tony, it seems to me, and again, I want to preface, you know, like, I, I mean, I really like Jim Mercy, and I know fans here like Jim Mercy, so... Uh, you know, I don't want that to, to be misunderstood, but it seems to me like Jim Mercer this particular season is almost more, as you talked about, like he has his strong convictions, right? It seems like he is he is more vociferous of that than we have seen in years past, almost to the point of being defensive. I realize you're not in Indianapolis, but when you assess and you see the tweets and the comments and maybe even his surprise from your comments about the quarterbacking position, etc., Two-part question, and one would be, do you have dialogue with him? And number two, am I off base in saying that it just seems like he's a little more forceful with things this year than he has been in the past? Uh, yeah, he's definitely been more uh, vocal, and I, I see the comments too, and uh, he's, he's into it, and he's, you know, he's part of it and uh, seems like more involved in the decision-making process. I didn't see that side of Jim when I was there. We had the conversation. He'd have his input. He'd talk to us. Social media, I guess, is just getting bigger and, and, and more out there now uh, than, than I'm used to. But, you know, Jim is an involved owner, and he does have convictions, and uh, I, I think you're seeing more of that. I, I think you're correct. Do you have dialogue with them? I mean, like, what's your relationship with them? And is there any chance that his level of that is crossing over into detrimental? Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I do talk to him. And I haven't talked. We don't talk every day. And I didn't talk to him at all about this decision. If I had of, I, I would have said, hey, you need to keep Frank and ride this out. You're still in, in the race. Let him turn it around. Uh, but no, I didn't have a discussion on either of those, on letting Frank go or hiring Jeff. And the only thing I say is, is it detrimental or not is if you make good decisions and they work, it's good. Right. <laughs> if you don't, it's, it's, it's bad. And, and that's what I was telling people with this Jeff Saturday thing. Everybody had weighed in, oh, and this no experience, and this is awful, and how's it going to work? You don't know. You have to wait and see, and if the decision ends up working, then, then it's a good call, and that, that's the bottom line. Uh, when I, I was in Pittsburgh, Dan Rooney made you know very calculated decisions. They weren't always popular. He did some uncharacteristic things. He hired young coaches. Uh, I remember when uh, our Super Bowl year, he hired Mike Tomlin. Mike was a one-year defensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings. There were four assistant coaches on the Steelers staff at that time who were great coaches who had been there. Bruce Arians was on that staff as a quarterback coach. Ken Wisenhunt, both those guys took teams to the Super Bowl. Dick LeBeau had been a long-time assistant, had been a head coach before. Uh, Russ Grimm was on that staff. And Dan went outside and hired a one-year defensive coordinator because he had conviction that that's what he wanted. People were critical at, at that time. But you know what? It worked. Do you believe uh, that Jeff Saturday had been a flop? It, then it, maybe it's a bad decision. 
Do you believe, Tony Dungy, that Jeff Saturday's hiring within the building is done with higher vision for his role within the franchise beyond just head coach? I don't know. Uh, it it might have been. I, I really think that it was done for this interim. You had 24 hours to, to select who's going to be the best guy. Um, there aren't very many candidates that you get. You either have to hire someone on the staff or somebody who's not under contract to another NFL team. So that limits you as to who you can get. I think he felt like for this season and time, for this moment, Jeff was the best person. Uh, eight weeks down the road, we get to the end of the year, I think he'll reevaluate. Maybe Jeff does a, a great job and he sees some things in him that you, you keep going. Uh, but maybe at the, I know at the end of the year they'll have a full-blown, okay, let's see what's the best thing for our franchise going forward. You'll see Tony coming up this Sunday night. Again, it's Chiefs Chargers Football Night in America at 7 p.m. on NBC and Peacock. On the Jeff Saturday front, Tony, you know, his you know, his path to become an NFL Pro Bowl caliber, Hall of Fame caliber player is pretty darn remarkable. His relationship with Peyton Manning, of course, is well <laughs> yeah. well documented. How much do you think that background gives Jeff, you know, some of that I don't know if instant sort of rapport with players, but allowed him to walk into a building that probably not a lot of guys had a direct relationship with and clearly for one week they reacted in a um, in a pretty kind of banded together manner well Jeff is a leader Jeff is a people person uh, Jeff is a winner so a lot of things that you're looking for he had uh, as the offensive center he's involved in a lot of the game planning he's involved in a lot of the not necessarily the play calling, but how we're going to do it. When Peyton would call, change plays at the line of scrimmage, Jeff, how are we going to block this in, in two seconds, making decisions, uh, letting other people know. He's running offensive line meetings and helping other people. He's communicating with everybody. And so he had that training. He had a lot of things in place that you need um, to, to be a coach. He just didn't have experience. So – uh, I, I saw where Jim was going with it. Yes, it's unconventional, but there were a lot of things that Jeff had that people don't realize uh, that, that made him uh, an attractive candidate. Tony, last one from me. Um, Jim Mersey behind the scenes certainly wanted Matt Ryan benched. He wanted him benched you know, a couple weeks prior to it, it actually happening. In your tenure here, did Jim ever mandate playing time for you? Never. Never. And, you know, he had his favorites, he, you know, he loved guys, and Edger and James was his favorite player, and so that was a tough discussion, and we had to, to talk about, do we redo Edgerin's contract, do we let him become a free agent, and, you know, I know his feelings about Edgerin came into that, but at the end of the day, it was, let's do what's best for the team, so we had those type of discussions, but there was never a, you know, hey, we're trading this guy, or we're playing this guy uh, that just didn't it, it just didn't come up that way. Tony, you like Jeff Saturday came into the league as an undrafted player. Do you think that you would have had the same coaching career? If did that allow you to better resonate with the totality of the roster because you could relate to every guy top to bottom on the roster? And would you have been the same coach if you would have come in as you know a first round top fifteen draft pick? Um, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I, I know what shaped my coaching philosophy was uh, the team that I played for and the, the coach that I played for. And uh, I did 
do very, very similar to Jeff. I only played three years, and I was brought back as the defensive backfield coach to coach guys who taught me how to play. I had no experience. I had never coached before. Now, I wasn't brought back as the head coach, but it was a kind of a ridiculous move at the time to hire a 25-year-old uh, free agent safety man who had, you know, never coached before to coach uh, steel curtain defensive backs. So I kind of know what Jeff was going through. And uh, I think Coach Noel hired me because I worked hard at my craft. I was a good communicator, and I studied the game. And I think you had to do that to kind of make the team as a free agent. And I think Jeff did the same thing. And people see that. People see how hard you work. People see that you're a good communicator. They see that you're a team guy. And that resonates. That resonated with Coach Noel for me, and I think it resonated for Jim Mercer with Jeff. Lastly, what do you miss most about Indianapolis, and why is it Country Kitchen? Uh, <laughs> I miss some eating spots there, Country Kitchen being one of them. I, I miss that walk across the uh, downtown into the, the stadium. I miss the RCA Dome and the atmosphere there, and uh, I miss the people. So uh, those relationships, uh, I think, are what you miss most. I wish I could get there more often. Tony, I'm going to sneak in one last one. I apologize, but um, as we get to this kind of head coaching carousel that will inevitably happen in early January, you think Jim Caldwell still wants to be an NFL head coach? Yes, he does. I've talked to Jim, and he was in on a couple of uh, situations last year, and I I think he would enjoy that. And I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think he's at the point where he wants to come back as an offensive coordinator or quarterback coach, but I, I do think he would come back as a head coach. Interesting. I'll tell you what, Tony, if Jeff Saturday can take some of the things that he learned from the guy he played for in Indianapolis and carry those forward as a head coach on and off the field, I think people around here will be uh, just fine with it, right? Just fine with it. But we'll see, as you said, we'll see where things fall, right? We will. And uh, I'm pulling for Jeff. I'm pulling for the Colts organization. As I said, it was unusual, uh, but we'll see what happens. and, And we just have to judge by the results. Tony, enjoy watching every Sunday night, football night in America, and thanks for making time for us on this Tuesday morning. All right. Thank you, guys. Always. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good to talk Colts ball. Jake, I do feel like this has become the official start of the college basketball season. I guess the unofficial start. Uh, the Champions Classic now. Um, Got to be, what, at least the third or fourth time the city of Indianapolis has hosted it. Tonight, it will be Kentucky and Michigan State at 7. Duke and Kansas at 9.30. And on the call will be the one and only Jay Billis for ESPN. He joins us now with a little Jeezy to introduce Jay Billis. Jay, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? We're doing great. Um, hope you are as well. Um, for those that might not be as you know 
completely locked into the start of the college basketball season. Um, some things on your mind about uh, tonight's uh, matchups. Well, it should be great. I mean, you got uh, four of the, the best programs in college basketball. Michigan State's already played. They played Gonzaga. Uh, all these teams have already played, but Michigan State's the only one that's played sort of uh, a huge game. They played against Gonzaga on an aircraft carrier last Friday uh, out in San Diego. Um, but but I think all of the, the four teams we're talking about are, are I don't want to say Michigan State's a contender. They're all contenders in their leagues. Uh, but I, I think I think Kentucky, Kansas, and, and Duke uh, all have a, a Final Four shot. They're they're that good. Um, you know, sort of industry wide in basketball. I think North Carolina uh, has the preseason number one team. They were in the championship game last year. They have almost everybody back uh, this year, and uh, and a team that probably isn't getting enough due that. Uh, that'll contend this year is Houston. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's got another ridiculously good team that can really guard and they can, they can score this year. They got Marcus Sasser back healthy and Tremont Mark, both of whom had, uh, had big games last night when they won. So uh, I would watch out for Houston, too. Jay, when you look at the teams that are here in Indianapolis right now, as Kevin had just mentioned, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, Duke, those are obviously blue bloods, so we know they are good every year. But of those four... Which of the four still has kind of the most question, I guess? Because we know all these teams are going to have talented players, but sometimes it's a matter of figuring out how they're going to mesh and mold, and maybe in November they are going to look a lot different than they will in February or March. Does that apply to any of these four? Are you talking about which one is not going to be as good as they usually are kind of questions? Yeah, or which one, I guess, has – which which coach of those four do you think going into tonight has the biggest question marks about his roster? Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State. They're, he might not have – Tom Izzo might not have question marks. I think he knows what he's got. But he doesn't have the firepower he's had in the past and, uh, and doesn't uh, – they're not as big as they've been. They're not as uh, settled at the five spot. Uh, and I'm not sure he knows exactly where his scoring's coming from uh, night after night. Uh, they've got Joey Hauser, Malik Hall uh, playing. Those guys are really versatile, uh, so they can play. They can play the five, the four. They can even slot them at the three. Um, and but they, their and their guards are good, but they don't have uh, they don't have a lot of pros on their team. And uh, and in the past, when Michigan State's been really good, they've had NBA players, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure they have one right now. Um, they've got guys that can play in the NBA, but but I'm not sure they've got guys that are you know first round draft picks. He's Jay Bills. He'll be on the call tonight again. The Champions Classic, seven o'clock, and then approximately about nine thirty for that second game, Duke and Kansas. Uh, Jay, on that Michigan State front, if you look at the Big Ten this season, um, I think hopes in Bloomington are very very high for Mike Woodson's second year. They bring back Trace Jackson Davis. I think you look at the overall depth. Um, seem to be a team capable of going eight or nine deep, if not a little bit more. Um, your thoughts on Indiana here and Mike Woodson's second year? You know, the Big Ten's got a lot of question marks because there aren't a ton of returning players. Uh, you know, the, I think the stronger leagues you expect to be stronger, I should say, uh, have a lot of guys back that were leading scorers on their teams or leading scorers in the league. And I think it's, you know, 15 of the top 20 scorers in the, uh, the Big Ten last year are gone. Uh, so that opens up a lot of uh, a lot of question marks. Um, I do think Indiana is the is the best team. Um, you know, obviously we're going to figure that out as we go. 
but having uh, Trace Jackson Davis back, and we've got a lot of big guys back this year. Uh, you know, Zach Eadie's back at, at Purdue. But um, but I like the personnel that Indiana's got the best. Um, and uh, and with Jalen Hood, Shafino coming in and, and playing the point, uh, they, they've got more firepower than they had last year. I think they'll be they, – they've played well uh, just in their exhibition games at the start of the season. Um, everybody's going to get clipped here and there and then lose games, but I think uh, – I have to think that Indiana's going to be the favorite of the Big Ten. Do you make anything of the Big Ten's national championship drought? Well, I mean, there's something to it. Um, you know, it, it's not like they haven't been knocking on the door. The reason I don't worry about it is you've had so many Final Four appearances and Elite Eight appearances, and, and uh, you know, they've had teams that have been national contenders year after year after year. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like the Pac-12. I mean, it's been, been forever since the Pac-12 won a, won a championship. Now, you, you can be the second-best team in the country, and, uh, you know, when North Carolina was that great in 2009 or something, you know, the ACC's won a fair amount of them, the Big East has won some, all that stuff. Uh, and, and they've done it at the expense of the Big Ten. Um, so you don't want to go too far overboard. Is there something to it? Yeah, there's something to it. Um, is it a, a huge problem? No, it's not. Because um, one of the things, like, you, you kind of talk about with people, though, they, they always point, some people uh, point to Gonzaga saying, well, they haven't won one yet. And going, yeah, they, they, they've, they've done better in the tournament than any team in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or whatever. They just haven't won it yet, and they're going to. They said that about Virginia, too. You know, Virginia can't win the way they play. Like, yes, they can, and they did. Um, so the, the, the Big Ten will put this, this issue to bed at some point. Um, but so, but I don't think I don't think it's a major problem. But, but it, is, it is indicative that they haven't won one, uh, but it's not indicative that they're, they're not competitive. Jay Billis of ESPN is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline again tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's Kentucky, Michigan State taking place at 7 o'clock. Then after that at 9.30, it will be Duke in Kansas. Jay, college basketball has changed but not changed, I guess, since the days that I was in college, which was around the era you were in college. You know, now you have name, image, likeness. You have a whole different arena in terms of the what that does for recruiting of players. Yet we still see Kentucky obviously loading up with with top-notch players. I understand that. My question for you is the name, image, likeness, and the different avenues that that creates, does that simply allow for the rich to get richer, or does it create opportunity for the smaller schools to also have an advantage, if you will, in the fact that they now have the same tools, maybe not to the same level of the hopper, to get players. Is this going to balance out talent distribution across college basketball, or is it going to stay the same where the rich get richer year in and year out? It's going to be a combination of both. You're never going to have in this system, in football, basketball, whatever sport you want, you're never going to have equality. Uh, but it is fair. But it, but talent will be more spread around with both the transfer portal and with name, image, and likeness. And it's 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 pretty simple. Like you know, in football, uh, everybody said when name, image, and uh, the critics said when name, image, and likeness came into to being that that just means Alabama and Clemson are going to get all the best players, which is an absurd notion. Um, it's always been absurd. Um, one, it's absurd just with scholarships. Uh, because the all you know all the best quarterbacks aren't going to go to one place because the 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 
number two and number three quarterbacks in the country are not going to sit behind number one. Like, that's just not going to happen. The same reason that, that those schools still have all the money with regard to paying coaches. You don't have, you know, Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Dabo Swinney, and, uh, and name another coach. You don't have all those guys all on one staff. You know, they're not all going to be assistant coaches. That's not the way it works. Economics doesn't work that way. So what you have are these smaller schools have an opportunity to get a better cut of player than they otherwise would have. So if you take Kansas is here. So if you take Kansas and say Wichita State, okay, Wichita State's not recruiting any player that Kansas is recruiting right now. Um, but they can, you know, because they, they can pay more for Kansas's third or fourth best recruit than, uh, than Kansas is willing to pay. So Wichita State's going to have a shot at those guys if money is a factor. Um, but that's where I think a lot of people mistake, make a mistake is they think money is the only factor. It's just a factor. I mean, uh, just look at our own jobs. I mean, uh, you know, we, we make decisions based on our jobs. Money is a factor, and it's a big factor. It's not the only one. You know, we, we, it's where we're going to work, what our job's going to be, you know, where's our family going to live, what schools are our kids going to go to, all that stuff. Um, and and uh, athletes make those same decisions with regard to where they go to school and where they stay and all that stuff. Is there any program that jumps out to you? Jay Billis is our guest, uh, and I have none in mind here, Jay. I'm not trying to, to lead you down a, ba- down a path here. I'm just simply curious. Well, you're not is, going to, but you can try. Well, <laughs> is, there, is there any program that, when you look at it, seem to be kind of late to the party on the NIL because it did feel like like with Indiana for example you know they kind of saw where it was headed right and went ahead and started to devise a game plan were there any of the big schools that you looked at and you thought wow like it looks like they were late to the party in terms of everything that was involved here I don't know because those are issues that um, are almost personal to these schools like they may they may put out a statement saying, hey, we've started our collective, or here's what we're doing in NIL, or we've hired a chief of staff in charge of NIL. But you don't know, you know, I don't know how much players are making or what, you know, what this is. Just same as I don't know what coaches are making out of the marketplace. You know, you know what they tell you, but I don't know the, the details of all their contracts or what car they're driving or how much they're making in, in endorsements, nor should I know. Um, I'm not particularly worried about all that stuff. Um, all these schools are going to do what it takes. It's kind of like facilities. It's anybody behind in facilities. It's not an excuse for anyone. Um, uh, you know, the facilities have been an issue for a long time. They'll continue to be, but with NIL, they won't be as big. You know, if you can, if you can get money to a player directly, why build a big facility to, to attract them when you can just give them the money? Um, look, we're going to be paying, the schools are going to be paying these players directly before long. It won't take very long. Uh, the NCAA is not going to win these court cases that are coming down the pike at them. Uh, they're continuing to violate federal antitrust law on this issue. Uh, so it, it, they're going to be signed to contracts at some point, whether it happens in three years, five years, 10, I don't know, but that's what's coming. Do you, um, do you so see a salary cap? We're not, I'm, how can you have a salary cap? The, the salary cap means it's negotiated with the, the players. And and a salary cap would be great. But but when people ask about a salary cap, I always ask them this question. Uh, you know, a salary cap in the NBA and the NFL, the players get half the revenue, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the deal. And the, the schools don't want to pay half the revenue to the players. Um, if they do, I'm sure the players will sign on the dotted line tomorrow. But in order to have, in order to have a salary cap... The salary cap is a wage restriction, which is what there, what there is right now with not allowing them to, to be paid at all. 
that's a that would be absent collective bargaining and an agreement with the players that would be a violation of federal antitrust law which is where the ncaa why the ncaa is having all these problems now so the issue isn't to me should there be a salary cap the issue is why aren't the players being allowed to bargain for their fair market value like nobody asked should there be a salary cap for coaches and staffs and all that stuff like should there, there be a salary cap for coaches the coaches are the ones making all the money now and the administrators um, it's a it's a re- really odd system that we we look at it this way. Uh, but if you want a salary cap, um, that'd be great. But every salary cap, the players get half the money, half the revenue. And uh, you know when when Ohio State's coach Ryan Day said recently, uh, hey, it's going to cost Ohio State thirteen million dollars to keep their roster together, is something like that. My reaction was that's cheap. Like that's cheap. To, to, to have a multi-billion dollar industry to have a team together and to, to have a roster set for that little money when when they're paying some of the coaches that. They're paying their coaching staff more than that. Um, it, it's really an interesting interesting system we have, and it's going to change. Jay, last one for me. And again, Jay Bell is tonight on the call. It's Kentucky and Michigan State, Duke and Kansas, right over here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That begins at 7 o'clock. Um, you will be inside of the Pacers building tonight. And Benedict Matherin has had a pretty um, darn impressive start to his NBA career. How much did you see of Matherin at Arizona? And are you surprised at all to see the level he's played at here early in his NBA career? I saw uh, Ben Matherin a lot, and I thought he was great um so i'm not i'm not surprised he's having success i mean players have sometimes you're surprised it's so quick or you know some other guys take a little bit longer to get going but but he's a he's a a fantastic talent and a a worker uh and a competitor so you know i think on draft night um you know we had talked about i thought he could have been taken higher perhaps should have been and he thought he should have been taken higher, and it seems like he's using that for fuel in uh, in the way he's playing against teams that didn't take him. But uh, yeah, he, he's a he's an outstanding player because he's got all the tools. He can shoot it, he can drive it. Uh, he's a focused defender, uh, and he he really competes and works. By the way, speaking of, and finally, Jay here, the category of you know we don't know where this thing's going. <clears throat> Excuse me. In terms of Twitter, I, w- I was looking at this. And this does fascinate me. You've got 1.8 million followers on Twitter, understandably, deservedly so. Uh, you're following no one. So does that mean that when you go on there, like there's just nothing on your phone? I don't go on Twitter. I use it to uh, put stuff out, but I don't use it for any other reason. So you never like scroll through to see what a coach or a player is saying? or I mean, obviously, right? Or, or is there a... I don't. Not on that account. Ooh. Ah, see that. Can we find the J Bills burner? That's right. Is there a burner uh, you account? Can, you, you can certainly try. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty smart, though, so that people can't see who it is that you're following. We've to got investigative weed through information. You know, we'll, we'll ask the NCAA over here, just a mile or two away, Jay, if they can get started on that. Uh, enjoy Indy. Have a great call tonight, and uh, appreciate the time this morning. So you're going to ask the NCAA to investigate something? I, I think I think it's going to be a while before there's an answer there. Yeah. <laughs> insert insert joke there, right? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, guys. Jake, I think in terms of individual feel-good stories for Colts, Colts players, I guess, in 2022, I'm not sure if anyone tops what Paris Campbell has done so far this season and being available and I think showing um, a lot of the signs that uh, we saw at Ohio State, certainly Indiana fans saw it, and watching him play at Ohio State. And uh, now we're seeing it on a really consistent week-in, week-out basis here at the NFL level. And in year four, Paris Campbell joins us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Paris, good morning. Good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We hope you are as well. Today technically is an off day. We heard Jeff Saturday say victory Monday, see on Wednesday. And I think we heard that cheer back in Indy um, from you guys in the locker room in Vegas. What is an off day to you? Man, an off day is just uh, another day to get an advantage step for the week. Uh, it's a day to take care of my body, man. Um, you know, relax, get away from ball. Um, but don't get too out of tune. So, like I said, just take care of my body. Um, you know, fuel the right way, recover the right way. And uh, I think I, I think of an all day as an advantage day. Paris, I want to go back a little bit on on the clock here, and I'll use kind of a, a an example of this. I don't recall when it was, Kevin. When did we do the knockout with Paris Campbell at the Pacer game? Was that last? Yeah, sometime December? last year. Yeah, yeah, so, last year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I try and, to forget about that, Paris. Yeah, you I think I missed seven straight layups to start. Kevin the game. was gone early, so you wouldn't remember that he was in the game. Now it came down basically to myself, you, and Fred Jones, who was the ringer, yep. right? Yep. You, you were yep. pretty good shooter. Like the three of us had a pretty good little rhythm going there in terms of our free throws. Absolutely. But I, I, I thought it was applicable to your career so far and by that i mean and i hope you don't get offended when i say it this way but i will admit no, to no, it, no. <laughs> you you hung around longer than i expected you to and by that i yeah. mean there were times where i wondered if paris campbell was going to be a reliable player for the colts because of injuries primarily mm-hmm. for you personally can you take us through psychologically whether or not you also had those same doubts and how you fought through them yeah, um, you know, I think I 100% had those same doubts. Um, you know, obviously rookie year, um, the injuries that I had, I had, what, three different surgeries that year. Uh, it was the first, th- first time that I've ever had to, you know, have anything surgically repaired or anything of that nature or missed time. Um, so that year was tough for me, but I didn't really truly, you know, feel kind of the doubts yet. Um, I think my second year going in, you know, excited to be back, be healthy, um, going in and we played Jacksonville week one that year, had a good game. You know, I could kind of see the, the tide turning for myself. And then week two, um, tear my, M- my MCL, PCL, um, you know, that by far was the hardest thing that I had to endure um, as a football player. And, um, you know, that rehab was so tough. Uh, I really couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel just because, you know, I was um, going through so much and, you know, I didn't, didn't seem to be making progress. Uh, with my knee, 
Um, and so I had doubts of, you know, will I be able to get back to the player that I once was? Uh, will I get back to, you know, being able to kind of come prove myself in this league? Will I get my opportunity to do that? And, um, you know, I think year two is really when those doubts set in. Um, but the one thing or the two things that really uh, kept me on a positive note is, number one, my faith. Um, and number two, my family, man. Those two things go hand-in-hand for me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really big on those two things, and uh, that's what kind of carried the, the, the load for me just, you know, when I was struggling mentally, uh, struggling physically. Um, and then, obviously, you know, going into year three, um, having to kind of, you know, almost reinvent myself after the knee injury because, man, like you got you to gotta do so much to get back from a knee injury. Um, and, you know, kind of going through camp in the first five weeks of the season, uh, it was tough for me, man, because I really, really w- never had a, a comfortability level that I, I felt, you know, good at. Um, and so, obviously, you know, week six, um, you know, scoring the long touchdown uh, versus the Texans, but uh, getting hurt on the play, it was kind of just like, oh, man, like this this is happening again. Like, you know, like is this is this really worth it almost? You know what I mean? Like is, is everything that I've gone through really worth it? Um, and I just kind of, you know, seeing that door close again, once again on me in year three. And um, I – to be honest, those same doubts set in, but they didn't set in as hard because what I had going through with my knee, man, like I felt like I could overcome anything. Um, and that was a big thing for me. Like I was able to stay positive uh, through my foot injury in, in year three. And, uh, you know, I, was, I just was able to stay motivated through it all. Showing up on my time hop today, not to bring up this memory, was your broken hand and the, and the picture of that yeah oh my yeah. gosh i say this in all yeah. <laughs> sincerity it's one of the grossest pictures i've ever seen so no nah, it was uh, brutal it was brutal <laughs> oh, man uh yeah i can only imagine um i i wonder if you are, are, are feeling this because i feel it watching you play like and again paris campbell joins us right now you go back to the jacksonville game back to the tennessee game last month like you had big catch outings in both of those games but i look at the two plays you made against washington one on the screen one on that jet sweep, which you took for like a 30-yarder. The touchdown last week. I look at those plays and think to myself, that's Ohio State, Paris Campbell. Like, that is, I think, what I think everybody kind of envisioned when you're drafted. Do you feel like you've now shown in these last couple of games like almost a different gear than we've seen in in flashes through your first couple seasons? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that like, you know, you say people 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 thought they would see that, uh, you know, in the league. And, shoot, I thought I would see that in the league. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know the type of player that I am. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those plays, you know, show, you know, the type of player that I can be. And um, that's that's just what I've been wanting to get back to, man. That's what I've, I've dreamed of doing in this league, man, just being a playmaker, uh, obviously being available for my team. Um, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's been a long road. It's been a long road. But – um, I can 100% say that, like, I'm I'm playing right now. Like, I have the most confidence that I've ever had in the league. I'm having the most fun that I've ever had in the league. And obviously, you know, that's all just because I'm available, you know, I'm healthy, um, and I'm able to go out there and make those plays. And, you know, my coaches are giving me opportunities. So you were, like, in kindergarten when he was in high school, but you went to the same high school as LeBron, correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so how often did LeBron come back and hang out at your high school and – like how many times did you meet LeBron? Yeah, well, should I actually met uh, LeBron a couple of times. Uh, you know, he came back 
during the NBA lockout, he actually came and practiced with our football team. Like, he came out there in full gear, and his dude was out there practicing, running routes, snagging footballs. Like it, was, like, it was nobody's business. <laughs> uh, dude looked like Megatron out there. But, um, so that was one time, and then he came back. Um, he used to come back to a lot of games, uh, you know, come and watch games. And um, then my senior year, he came back and did a whole, like, Nike um, unveil for, uh, for the uniforms. Like he got new, new uniforms for every sports team. Um, and he did like an unveil for the um, the football team, our uniforms. We had like a black alternate that year, so that was pretty dope. And then um, I always would catch some of his games um, when he was in Cleveland. So I'd be able to link up with him after the games, you know, talk with him here and there. So it was pretty cool. When you think about those times when you were in high school and you're getting ready to go to Ohio State, and what you were able to do at Ohio State versus what you're doing now for Indianapolis, did you have to change your mindset in terms of the style of receiver you were going to be? Because I And maybe I'm wrong here, Paris Campbell, but I thought of you as like, okay, you were going to be the deep ball behind the defense receiver for the Colts. And I feel like you maybe by necessity – You've changed exactly what style of receiver you are and found a really good niche in that. Am I off base with that assessment? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you're off base, uh, just because, you know, uh, my rookie year and a little bit of my third year, you, you could kind of see that, you know, I would run a lot of deep routes and uh, run a lot of, you know, post routes, pylon routes, whatever that may be. Um, but I feel like, I was kind of able to bring my Ohio State, which, you know, I mean, everyone kind of labeled me as the gadget guy coming out of college. I feel like I was able to kind of add that gadgety, whatever, gadgety player, um, just kind of to my short and intermediate route game. Um, you know, I think my routes, as far as, you know, short and intermediate routes have gotten so much better since I've gotten into the league. Um, like, I'm really comfortable playing slot receiver in this league, man, and, um I just feel like I, I was kind of to able to kind of intertwine the two of you know the gadget player and you know just becoming a, a natural receiver. So I think it's just you know both of those two together. Were you surprised or in any way frustrated when the Colts made a change at quarterback? Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't frustrated. Um, yes, I was surprised um, just because uh, just of the guy that you know Matt Ryan is and you know the the rapport that he has and I mean this guy's gonna be a Hall of Fame one day you know what I mean so uh definitely was surprised with the decision um but I wasn't frustrated you know what I mean because at this level like we're professionals man like you know there there could be a change at any time you know at the end of the day we still got to go out there and perform you know what I mean so um wasn't frustrated you know I was happy for Sam you know because he was getting an opportunity uh to go show what he can do um I felt for Matt though because um and Matt knows this. I, I, me and him have so many deep conversations uh, just over the course of the year. But, like, Matt's a big reason why, you know, I have my confidence back right now. Like, he, he's truly a, a, a real big reason why that's happened for me. Uh, just because, you know, this guy has believed in me since he stepped foot in Indianapolis, man. Like, he's had my back since he stepped foot in Indianapolis. And he knows that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, surprised, yes. Frustrated, no. Were you surprised by the coaching change? Um, to be honest with you, um, no, because of just how the season, you know, how how the season was going. Um, and to be honest, like, I I still, like, feel that the players had something to do with that coaching change, you know what I mean? Just because at the end of the day, like, you know what I'm saying, anyone can lose their job in in this profession, and at the end of the day, like, it's about winning. And if you're not doing that, 
um, and you know, there's there's bound up, you know, for bad stuff to happen. So and just the way like that we were losing. You know, I mean, we were losing some close games, and then to go out <clears throat> in New New England and just have you know that bad of an offensive performance. Um, I just figured some type of change would come because I'm not, you know, what I'm saying I'm not naive to the nature of the business. Was it needed? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that it was needed. Um, you know what I mean? Because you know I'm not the one that's you know in that chair making those decisions. Um, all I can do is continue to you know play my one eleventh on the field, uh, continue to do my job uh, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you know has the head coaching job. Like, I like as players, we're, we're like I said, we're professionals. Uh, so we got to come to work regardless. And at the end of the day, our job is to do our job, <clears throat> make sure we're doing it to the best of our ability, and at the end of the day, get wins. So it doesn't it doesn't matter who's at the head coaching helm. Like we we've got to come to work regardless. Paris Campbell with us here again, year four for him. Um, the Matt Ryan leadership element. Correct me if I'm wrong, Paris, but. When Chris Ballard came in last Monday and told you guys that Frank Reich was being let go, initially he did not mention that Jeff Saturday would be the interim. Um, in that meeting, did, did did Matt Ryan speak up? Uh, yes, he did, and um, you know he he pretty much just laid it out there for us. Like basically, what I've been telling you guys, like at the end of the day, like we're professionals. Like we've been hit with so much adversity as a team throughout this course of the season. And, you know, as a man, it much beyond a football player, but as a man, like when you go through adversity, it's all about how you respond. And so he basically challenged all of us as players and as men, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are, what are, what are we going to do? How do we want to be remembered? Um, obviously, you know, it's kind of the, 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 the laughing stock of the, of the NFL, like with all the chaos that was going on. So like, how do you really want to be remembered? Is that is that how you want people to remember you? Is that what your legacy? Is that what you want your legacy to be? Um, so he just challenged us, man, and um, I think every man took a took a look in the mirror at themselves and you know really asked themselves, what can I do to be better? And um, you know you felt it just through last week. I know it's only been a week, but what have you thought about the tone um, that Jeff Saturday has brought to your football team? Man, I, I've loved it. I've absolutely one hundred percent loved it. Um, he just brings. A different level of accountability, um, just each and every day, man. Like, he number one is he, he's going to keep it a hundred percent with you. Like, he's going to tell you the real, and um, just the way that he holds each each and every player accountable. No matter if you're the the top of the roster or you're the bottom of the roster, like everyone has a job to do. He's going to let you know if you're if you're failing to do your job or if you're doing a good job. You know what I mean? Um, and like one thing that I appreciated about Jeff is like he came in day one, and he he just being himself, man. Like he's not trying to be someone he's not. Um, he he's that fire. You can see that that fiery player that he used to be. You can see that just kind of coming back out, just with his passion for the game. Um, and you can truly tell that he wants us to succeed, to wants us to succeed, and wants us to win. And um, you know, he just brings a different level of passion, different level of accountability to to the team. So I I appreciate it. I love it, Paris. If I'm reading between the lines here, and I want to make very clear. Uh, you know, I think you, uh, I, Frank Reich is a very good man. I don't think any, nobody questions that, and I'm not saying that, that you're not saying that. Absolutely. But, but often in sports, they say that that coaches need to, no matter who it is, every four or five years, guys just need a new voice. Was it, in fact, just time for a new voice for a new energy? Is that a safe statement? Listen, um, you know, I'll do respect to, to Frank Reich because. Frank Clark is an, an amazing person. He's an amazing coach. And, you know, I never want that to ever be forgotten. You know what I mean? Because that, that that's just fact. You know what I mean? And um, 
Frank was a guy that believed in me. Shoot, Frank's a big reason why I'm even in Indianapolis. You know what I mean? So, um, Frank, Frank was my guy. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, we weren't getting the job done as, as a team, as an organization. So, you know, they made change. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, Frank is a bad, a bad guy. Like I said, like he had a bad voice or he didn't bring the same intensity that Jeff brings because everyone has their own style of coaching. You know what I mean? And whether you respond well to one way or the other way, I mean, that's just based on the type of player that you are. Um, so I don't, you know what I mean? I don't want this to be a competition of Frank versus Jeff because that's definitely not what it is. Um, but Jeff has definitely brought um, a different, you know, sense of urgency, and that may be just because of, you know, where we're at as a team, as an organization, um, or that, you know, what I mean, that that's just who he is. Um, and I, honestly, I think it's both of those. Um, but I don't want, you know, what I'm saying I don't want to get into Frank versus Jeff because that's definitely not what it is. Have you ever been to Paris? I have not. I have, that's a gold of mine, though. <laughs> yeah, you can go to Paris, Illinois. Paris, Illinois is like two and a half hours away. You can go there and just tell people you're in Paris, right? <laughs> that's a way. <laughs> Should you get a, you know, Campbell's, I think, is like a big NFL sponsor, and maybe I'm naive to yeah. this. Should you get an endorsement with Campbell's? That seems like that would make sense. They have NFL commercials. Yeah. Hey, man, you guys don't even know. That's been a goal of mine since I was a little kid, man. Like, I've <laughs> really? NFL, yeah. I've seen, I've seen NFL players on there with their moms, you know, right. the commercials and all that stuff. Like, I, like that's a that's a dream of mine. So I'm, hoping, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping they've been watching some cold football. <laughs> I'm picturing Jerome Bettis, like, you know, with his chunky suit What's here. your favorite Campbell's suit? That's what I want to know. I'm a clam chowder guy. What is your favorite Campbell's suit? I'm, I'm a classic chicken noodle guy, man. All right, there classic. you go. Don't mess with success <laughs> right, right there. Uh, Paris, we will end with this and really appreciate your time this morning. Um, you've obviously, frankly, been through hell um, physically throughout your NFL career. A lot of chicken noodle suits. Do you think Do you think about the contract year that you're in right now? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, I, 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 would be, I would be naive if I said I didn't. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I, that's that's just the real of my situation. You know what I mean? And um, obviously, I've been through so much, and you know, I've kind of seen you know the the receivers that got drafted in the same year as me. That's that's in my draft class. I've seen them get their payday, which you know they're all some of my closest friends, and I'm all you know happy for them. Congratulations to them. Um, but you know, my story's different, man. And the thing about me is, like, I like I won't change, and I wouldn't change anything that I've gone through. I wouldn't change my story because, you know, at the end of the day, like, no matter what happens at the end of the season, um, good or bad, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to have a story for just so many people across, you know, the platform. Like, not, not even football players. Just so many people who, you know, may just be going through something and just feel like they can never catch a break. Like... My story is going to speak volumes to so many people, man, and, and that's that's what I'm grateful for, man. I'm grateful um, just to be a vessel for God, man, just for him to do his work, man. And I, I couldn't ask for more. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't ask for more because I'm blessed. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm you know, I'm making plays. And uh, ultimately, that's all I want to do, man. I want to help my team win. I want to be available. And, uh, you know, God's allowing that to happen right now, man, and, I, and I'm just so thankful for that. Paris, I'm a huge Clemson fan. They're not going to make the playoff. I know that. Nobody's going to beat Ohio State. And, and I'll be honest with you, man, I, I, I'm not an Ohio State fan, no offense, but nobody's nobody's touching Ohio State, are they? I mean, honestly. No, nah, no. Nah. I mean, we, we, you know what I'm saying? We still got to play the team up north in Michigan, man. We still got to get revenge on them from last year. Um, shoot, I feel like I lost that game when they lost last year, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, nah, I, I, just, I just hope they uh, – 
they they win that game and then they roll in the playoffs, man. Because it's been a while since we won a Natty, man. So I'm I'm pulling for those guys, man. They they look good though. Paris, I feel like anytime we have one of your teammates on, we kind of end it with um, hope for continued good health, and I, I, I mean that even more for anybody. Um, for you right now, with the rest of your contract here and the season you've had, hell of a year, man. I can only imagine what it means, and I really appreciate your honesty with everything this morning. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on, man. I really do.